Welcome to the Innovator Stories podcast of the Philips Innovation Award. In this episode, I speak with Hauke Blei, founder of Respire, a fascinating startup that helps cities turn green through a special concrete that holds moss. You'll learn all about Hauke's entrepreneurial journey, nature includes the development, and how to make the most of a competition like FIA. My name is Lars Kramer. I'm the private leader of Up Rotterdam, the entrepreneurial support program that helps startups grow and scale their business. Welcome, Auke. Thanks a lot. We're recording this uh, in between quite a few pillows. I think that's for acoustics, so <laughs> I hope that helps. Um, have you been within a room with pillows before? Every night. Every night. And I know it helps with acoustics. So. <laughs> okay, no pillows on the wall this time. So um, to start, Respire is a spin-off from the Delft Technical University. Uh, and you're on a mission to create greener cities through the application of mosses. Now, you also hold a master in construction management from that same university. Can you take us back to your origin story? So how did the company come about and how did you s- start with this yeah. idea? Yeah, well, actually, I stopped my master's uh, to pursue Ooh, this uh, okay. startup dream, as you may call it. Yes. Actually, it started with uh, research done by two professors at the TU Delft. They were uh, answering the question... What is this moss doing to our buildings? 15 years ago, ProRail thought that moss was uh, destroying their buildings. Oh, that was the moss that was actually growing there already. Yeah, spontaneous moss growth. So they did research into that and they found that, hey, they are not destroying your concrete. They are growing there because you made shit concrete. Oh, sorry, bad (laughs) concrete. Um, So next time, if you want to prevent mosses, then maybe think twice about your concrete and spend a little bit more time on it. Hmm. Um, so that was their conclusion. <coughs> and they uh, they found a list of characteristics that your concrete does not need to have or needs to not have yeah. right, to prevent mosses from growing. And we turned that around. We were like, okay, if we create concrete that has those characteristics, then it should promote moss growth, right? Mm, interesting. That's what we did. And when you say we, what is we? Uh, actually, it's not me. Okay. <laughs> so that's uh, that's cool. It's Mark de Kruijf. Yeah, uh, he's the the original founder. Uh, he he uh, got note of this this technology called bioreceptive concrete. Uh, went to the professors Mark and Hank, and together with the Delft Center for Entrepreneurship, I think it's called, uh, they created Respire. Their first employee was me. Yeah, I just finished uh, my bachelor, started my master. Um, and yeah, the rest, yeah, the rest is, is actually part of my story. Yes. I would say that the rest is history, but the rest is part of your future, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think you mentioned Delft Enterprise. I yeah, think that's yeah, Delft yeah. Enterprise. Okay. Uh, we'll dive into that story and also how it developed over time. But first, uh, here's four statements that you can answer with true or false. Okay. I always dreamt of being an entrepreneur. True. The best mentors are the ones that have been in your shoes before. True. I underestimated the time investments for accelerators and challenges. True. Keeping focus is easy for me. Ah, that's a fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the cliffhanger. Um, Let's start. We always talk about customer problems, right? So you have a great technology, but in your case, what customer problem or what customer problems do you solve with Respire? Mm, Yeah, it's, it's actually the problem that project developers have and i almost start to do my pitch at the fi again because that's what i said there as well is that they get pushed into this nature inclusive way of developing mm. uh, by us or by the government but there's no simple scalable payable way to do so 
Um, and we solve that by the most autonomous way of vertical greening you can think of. And that's moss, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then you say the developers. So it's driven by policies or so what's the what's the benefit of having moss uh, on your on your buildings or on your structures? Yeah, the dynamics are pretty difficult. They can get pretty difficult, but in general there's this tender, as you may call it. Um, and the, it says like, hey, cool, we want this building. It needs to re- have follow these requirements. And one of those requirements is that like 40% of the surface, it needs to be green. Okay. And then these parties, these project developers start calculating. They're like, um, okay, then the building costs will be increased by, you know, hundreds of percentages. It yeah. can get crazy expensive. And then the next requirement would be, yeah, and also the, the bottom layer needs to be social. So right. you cannot actually make money on it. Right. And that's like a big, yeah, that calculation cannot be, be done right. Okay. And then you solve that with um, an infrastructure or, or a, a technology to have an outer layer on that structure, on that build- building that then grows moss. So is yeah. it that as simple as that or how does, how does it work? Yeah, the, the biggest costs are uh, maintenance and, and like initial investment for vertical greening. Yeah. Um, we lower the in- initial investment by using recycled material, actually waste. From the building material fr- from the construction market. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that's that's one of the the, the the measurements we take. And the second one is the strongest strongest plant there is is moss. It's the pioneer of all species. Um, so it requires not a lot of maintenance. Actually, if if you're okay with it just living, you don't need to take care of it at all. Okay. Um, so the combination of the two really lowers the investment and also the, the operating costs of a vertical green system. Okay, so it's self-sustaining. Uh, and how do you pick your moss? How many how many mosses ah. do you have? Well, uh, there is like 600 species. Oh, wow. Uh, we defined 40 that would fit in our cocktail. Yeah. Um, how do you collect them? Well, just call real estate developers, ask if they have uh, projects that are going to be demolished anytime soon. Yeah. And uh, ask them politely if you can rescue some of the mosses that are growing on the roof. In general, old buildings have a lot of mosses, gr- mosses growing okay. on it. So uh, that's how we did it. And now we have our own greenhouse oh, where okay. we cultivate them. Ah, okay, so now you know which moss grows best on buildings. Yeah, You had some first samples that you basically stole from those buildings yeah. first with yeah. asking. Saved. Saved, saved from the buildings, yeah, that's yeah. a better way of saying. And now you're developing in your in your greenhouse. That's yeah. super. So it's it's really using nature on top of uh, structures that are built by, uh, by humans. Yeah, yeah. It's already go- growing. Like the mosses are already growing everywhere. Yeah. If you look at it in the built environment, you see them everywhere. Yeah. And we replicate that exactly, but then yeah. on purpose, on yeah. a way larger scale. Yeah. Everybody who has a garden with some tiles in the garden, they probably think, oh, I have some moss in my yeah. garden, uh, which is kind of showing how easy it is for moss to grow, right? Look uh, at the roof tiles. Yeah. Yeah, they're over. Okay, cool. So that's a bit about your kind of customer problem that you're solving and also the solution. Um, you participated in the Philips Innovation Award. And if I say you participated, you also won in 2022. You won the Philips Innovation Award. And that same year, uh, Quote called you the most innovative student of the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, pause yeah. there. So that's really, obviously, really nice. Um, maybe... For other people look, uh, listening out there, how did you get in touch with uh, with FIA to start? And, and and then why did you decide to join a competition like that? Yeah. Well, I think they got in touch with me. Okay. Uh, which sounds a little bit arrogant, um, but we had the luck that we had a large success on social media. Mm-hmm. 
like a good video that allowed us gave, gave us like like millions of of views like crazy on linkedin oh wow what's the trick what what did you do what kind of video did you yeah, create it's like i knew that we could not build our own brand by just pushing content we needed ambassadors mm-hmm. and for for this i found one ambassador called matthijs jaspers okay uh, he's called the happy activist um oh f- the little videos on linkedin yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and he he posted one of our videos and normally his videos get three thousand likes ours got thirty one thousand likes wow. within the first week so also for his like uh yeah standards it was crazy yeah um and that like our whole info mail got absolutely flooded yeah. uh, by mails among others i think the fia was one of those and after winning the fia i think the most innovative st- student of the netherlands was a logical next one. Okay, so the learning there is to find a way to get exposure, and then uh, the uh, uh, the programs, the challenges will find you. And and indeed, I think the Happy Activist is a great example of you know somebody with a big reach, yeah. uh, and you have a great product to show. Okay, so Thea found you. That's good. That's yeah. good to hear. Um, and then you joined the competition. What was it like? What was it like to be in a competition like that? Well, for us, I think the first. One was money was the motivation okay. to say it like really harshly. Like the prize uh, seemed really, really interesting, especially for a startup with low burn rate. Yeah. After that, I think the trajectory of the learning activities that you have. Um, and and yeah, what was it like? Like the, the learning activities were proved actually to be mo- worth more than, than everything else. Okay. I think FIA did a great job on that. What do you mean with learning activities? Yeah, so actually in every you know, uh, incubator, accelerator, or, or, or prizes, there is this trajectory uh, in which you're taught about being an entrepreneur. And com- compared to others, FIA did a good job to have a general program yeah. tailor-made, which conflicts, yeah. because a general progla- program cannot be tailor-made. But they did it. They uh, made this general program, and within every um, activity you could you could decide for on your own how you wanted to structure it for example the coaching by philips uh, you you got like two coaches for one and a half hour yeah. to zoom in on your specified topic okay and that's i think that works way better yeah so you can choose if it works and decide also when it works best yeah. i guess so who and when um so talking about those people what would have been the most valuable connections that you made um uh, particularly in, in this program was it with investors? Was it, was it with coaches? Was it with other founders? Uh, other founders? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's this common agreement that founders should should help each other. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think that's really logical. So other founders, students, uh, I got to pitch in front of students that I also enthousi- enthusiastic with, with the pitches. So uh, some of those would then later work for me. But also, of course, the you know the the bigger guys behind Pon or the you know the the the, the large CEOs that you uh, may or may not encounter in future business activities. Yeah, the fact that the name is already on the on the table, it's already yeah. mentioned. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned something about founders help founders, which is an interesting topic. I think you're also part of Kairos, or no, it's called different. Uh, Sigma. Yeah, previously Sigma. known as as Kairos, right? Um, Maybe for other entrepreneurs, because I think it's a really interesting organization that you're part of. Can you explain what they do and how that helped you? Yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm starting to get to know it also more and more. Uh, it's pretty difficult from the outside, but when you're inside, it's it's actually a world open, opens up. It's a group of international founders under 25 
uh, that are really morally driven, I would say. Mm. Um, so, so also in, when you're ad- admitted, if your ID is like really scalable, but also like good for the community, um, and uh, that focus is is like everywhere within the community, and that's great. And therefore, if you ask a question or if somebody has a question, everybody dives on it yeah. because they don't want you to have these problems for longer than necessary, right? Okay. So everybody, and that's great. Yeah. That's a really warm welcome to to a new starter. Nice. Founders help founders. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, for this uh, organization. Uh, sorry, we go back to the Philips Innovation Award because obviously you also won, so you delivered obviously a great pitch. Uh, yeah. There might be other people listening now that are thinking of joining the challenge or not preparing for the finals. Can you maybe share one specific thing that you did that you think helped you win the finals, particularly when it comes to preparing your final pitch? Um, yeah, I, I didn't pay that much attention to all the lessons that you can learn about pitching. Of course, you know, the general structure of problem, solution, this and that. I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. But next to that, I really thought like, who am I? As a person, I'm a guy that loves like 80% of the time that he's talking. So I knew my pitch needed some personal touch, some jokes, you know, this and that. I knew I wanted to get one of the judges at least to, to pick on, on him. I think I took the NS uh, as, a, as, a, as some sort of side National joke. Railway. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what I did was, uh, who am I? And I wanted to have that 100% inside the pitch. And next to that, I wanted wanted to differ a little bit. I didn't want to be the next guy in a suit. Okay. Um, not that that's anything wrong with that, but I knew that that wasn't my style, and yeah. the rest would do that already. So I wanted to change that a little. Okay. So the lesson you learned is be yourself, find your own way of being, also in your pitch, but then also figure out who in the jury you can play with yeah, a little bit. Yeah, which yeah. sounds pretty <laughs> cliche when you say it. <laughs> Actually, who am I? You know, but <laughs> I think it's that you you should not push yourself into this perfect picture yeah. that does this and this yeah. no you need to be relaxed yeah. there yeah and have a good story i mean i think it starts with having a, having a, a serious problem that you're solving and then also a innovative solution that is solving that problem i think that's where it starts right but then in the end it comes down to how you prepare your your pitch yeah, yeah. those those are the basics and yeah. i i tend to cover that if people ask me for advice as well like don't overcomplicate your solution. Mm. The, yeah. the the judges are not interested in the technicalities. Yeah. You know, it's just about the impact and also about the problem. Yeah, the way you're going to solve, it's on you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Not too technical. Um, now you're growing the company. Uh, it's been a uh, what we're recording this in 2023, so you're a, a bit uh, moving forward. Can you maybe explain how your company or how your business has been doing since? Uh, and I'm particularly interested in kind of what you know, how many people are working, but also is there any specific projects that you've released? I think there's one that you've done. So yeah. can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, how so it's developed? I think 2022, I was running around as a motivated but headless chicken. Uh, <laughs> did a lot of stuff. Uh, did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have done, but also some uh, that worked out. At the end of the year, we got funding. Yeah, uh, A little bit over half a million. So that, that gives some space to do yeah. stuff. I you fu- say we got funding, but obviously you worked for that, right? Yeah, I always. Th- oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was a lot of applications, of course, and uh, you know, yeah, calculating the market size, this and that. But yeah. eventually, we we got it. And okay. when I say we, it's like it's, it has been a one man team. I think yeah. <laughs> back then, but okay. I always say we. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and after that, I think the biggest one is I have a great co-founder now. Mm. Uh, I found him, I think, in March. Yeah. Uh, Adil. Uh, and he, he—that's he, what we needed. Yeah. Uh, like, like now, now the the work is divided. I think way better than when I was on my own. Yeah. Um. And after that, the rest followed. Yeah. Okay. So having a good co-founder. Well, you started with somebody else with the idea. Then you were running with it, uh, like a, a headless Had chicken. chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a. Oh, that sounds nice with a plan. And now you have a co-founder, and then the team is growing. And then on customers. So I think you delivered on the building in was it Venray? Yeah. Or? Fenrai. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're waiting with the marketing on that project because okay. we're working with nature, so we want to be a step ahead. You yeah. know, we want to know if coming months that that everything will, will be okay. But for us, this is the the milestone actually, left or right. Yeah. Uh, it's a project uh, near Fenrai. Great, great, um, actually client. Uh, okay. We have great uh, um, a supplier. Uh, they are all highly motivated. Take a little bit of risk. I have to be fair on that. But we all know that if this works, yeah, we can go a long way. Yeah. And for others thinking about um, getting B2B clients like yours, what has been, um, you think, helpful in in landing that client? Because you're a young startup, you're risky. Uh, I mean, you have a great idea and you have early validation of that it works, but still you're a risk for an organization like that, right? So how do you convince or how did you convince them to, um, to implement you on their building? Yeah, I'm a risk, but also an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, here again, we have amazing social uh, like e- exposure. Yeah. So they found us. <laughs> okay. Again, yeah. Have to be fair on that, <laughs> but um, also because we are an opportunity de- to them. Like the whole building market has invested in these concrete, uh, intensive uh, way of producing and building. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're like, ah, that concrete might not use that again anytime soon yeah so everybody needs to change everybody needs to change their business our concrete recipe goes really well into their production method so all of a sudden they can have a green product product Mm. uh, as well Mm. so we were like a pain we are a pain to them but also a great opportunity and they they see that some don't Mm. but they do um so a tip would be uh one would be don't overcome complicate things a customer is a customer if it it, either if it's like uh, an individual or a business um don't don't overcomplicate things and yeah take your place you know you're not just a mosquito trying to get attention Mm -hmm. you're providing value as well and if you're not then go back to the drawing board yeah okay you're solving a real problem and then in your case even if they found you you have pool uh working for you that really helps you mentioned the 500k and and you you casually mentioned that, um, you know, getting investment in, um, but growing a company is, is often a balancing act, right? It's then you have the money, the clients, the team around you. So how how have you financed uh, the different parts of mm. the company to where you are today? How, how have you done that balancing act? Investors versus people and growing the business? Yeah, well, in Holland, we would say met hang en vliegwerk. Okay, uh, that doesn't translate in no, English. It doesn't. Well, yeah. with, with, yeah, with hanging and pulling, I, yeah. I would say it's like, I know that the December last year, I asked the, the people that I rented from, like, hey, can we skip this month? And they okay. were like, well, no, but we can, you know, later, like, extend the transaction. Um, it was a balancing act. Uh, for the investment, I needed a team. And yeah. for a team, I needed investment. Mm-hmm. So to the team, I was like, yeah, we have money. And to the investors, I was like, we have a team. Not not this black and white, but yeah, yeah it, it was a balancing act. Um, and especially when the financing landed, um yeah, we, we, we I, I just started 
getting people in. Yeah. Um, and then everything went from itself. Yeah. Okay. So you've been hustling uh, a little bit uh, on both sides until it came in and then you were able to to grow and push uh, the team forward. Um, maybe one question on that. Is we always talk about, and we speak to many great founders on different parts of their journey, and there's always these learnings that come about over time. What is the one thing that you've learned in the past couple of years that you, about growing a startup that you wish that somebody had told you sooner? Well, I know that people have told me this hundreds <laughs> of times. So even, even if people tell you it, 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 you only do it whenever you feel the need for it yourself. Mm. So uh, people have told me this, but have focus at the beginning. Mm. Map your year out. They have told me this time and time again, but I just didn't do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll start today. And then I did. And then the next morning was like, okay, <laughs> what what's <laughs> happening today? And then I'll go a completely different way. So, But it is what it is. Have focus. Don't don't guide yourself by the amount of emails that flow in your your, your Gmail inbox. Yeah. Have a plan. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. And I put this in the statements uh, because I knew this was going to be one of the topics. So, but you've... So people tell you this to keep focused. Then you think, yeah, like, yeah I'm going to do it. And then on a daily basis, obviously there's 10,000 things coming that you might um, want to yeah. pay attention to. Have you found a way for yourself to, because now you're aware of the fact that you need to focus, have you found a way to structure your focus for yourself? Well, well, we did, you know, all these HR. I have a great advisor on this, Ava. She helps me with it. With She helps me with this and mm-hmm. it helps. Um, yeah. However, like we were just a startup and then there was this crazy big construction company that was like, yeah, we need 500 panels of this, but um, and we need it like in a year. And then we were like, okay, that's like 120,000 euros. That could be cool. But it was a totally different production method than we wanted to go for. But how are you going to say no to that, right? Yeah. So to answer your question, I think those chance chances are, their perceived value mm-hmm. is way less than a year ago. A year ago, I would go miles for such a thing. Yeah. And I, would, I was like, I, I am like, yeah, okay, it could be cool and it could be worth going for it, but the whole company then needs to go for it. And what yeah. do we let go mm-hmm. for that? And is that worth it? Hmm. Um, I got to know that every transaction in the construction uh, market is around like 50, 100, 150K. Yeah. So that one job, uh, yeah, now it looks a little less interesting than a year ago. Yeah. But yeah, looking back, I could never, I could never have felt that yeah. then already. So I think what you're saying is keeping focus means that depending on the stage that you're in, to if there's multiple opportunities to choose from, to choose the best one. Because in the early days, it might be that you know a certain amount pushes you forward, but if yeah. it pushes you too far off your strategy, you should not be doing it. I think that's what you're saying. Also, this is yeah. a balancing. You cannot map out your whole trajectory from behind your desk. Yeah, you don't do that. Mm. Let let the market guide you yeah they know it best uh, don't bet against against the market it's a saying uh, not for nothing but also not every player in the market has the best opportunity for you in the long yeah. run so keep keep yeah. the red line inside nice we don't believe in advice but i think this is a solid advice uh, founders out there yeah. should should take and listen to and then maybe we'll have them in a podcast in three years and say oh yeah i think you told I me that but i uh, didn't that. do it yes uh, yeah um so far, it's been happy flow, entrepreneurship, growing, making choices. What has been the hardest part or the, the darkest, deepest part for you as an entrepreneur? Mm, yeah, I think it's pretty specific to our, uh, you know, to our product. Uh, it, 
it is or was the development of the product. Mm. Um, we got this great um, attention like early 2022 where I already said, yeah, yeah, wait for September 2022 and then the product will come. It's now past September 23 and this quarter we'll have a launch. Okay. We're already uh, preparing it. So it will happen, but that has been a pain, um, especially with nature. So the, the product development has been a pain. Okay. And also the, the imbalance between how, mu- how much attention do you get mm. versus how much can you deliver now? Because we got the attention from a multinational, mm-hmm. like crazy numbers on our website, LinkedIn, this and that. Yeah. But the product of a student group that didn't know what you know they wanted to do. So that, that has been the biggest pain, I think. That's interesting. I think that many companies actually struggle uh, with this. I had one company, I'll not mention the name, that sold to uh, sold products to a very big beer manufacturer and got completely messed up because okay. we promised more than we could deliver. Okay. Um, but in your case, you managed over time. Yeah, so we you made did some not right promise decisions. anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it was we felt like a luxury because mm. we didn't need to promise anything and still you know got got along with the partners that that we know uh, could help us. Yeah. Um, and and we we're able to pick out the real innovators, the early adopters from the, yeah, you know, the parties that were interested but would never draw their their wallet for it. Um, and those are actually within our circle. They are right. still within our circle, you know. Mm, nice. Okay, and now you have the capacity with the product that's ready uh, uh, to yeah, go. Yeah, 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 almost. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, looking forward, what's your biggest challenge for the next 12 months? Um, so for the next like 12 days it would be completing the project <laughs> okay uh, because we really see that as an important milestone actually two projects and after that scale this yeah um, because the way we work now is it is like not scalable um but we're okay with it because we know that it it th- fundamentally it is scalable but now doing that is like okay well it's pretty big it's a pretty big task um so actually i think it's scaling what we're doing now increasing mass production improving the, the efficiency of the of the concrete production um, and and maybe to add one thing certificates they're a pain in the ass what do you mean what, what do you mean certificates on the product oh okay. building specific like a brl and this and that i don't know i don't even know them yet okay. but i know they will come yeah. i know will, they will cost like crazy amounts of money yeah um, and that will be a pain in the ass as well. There we go. Yeah. So maybe you should have finished your master's in construction management. Would you, would you have known that? Yeah, I'm planning on going back for six months <laughs> okay. and then uh, setting respire on... Po- no, no, no. Okay. I'll get there. I think you're doing very well. Uh, you don't need to finish your master's to build a great company. I think that's the lesson here. We have listeners' questions and we always have listeners' questions. Um, so um, if you want to ask questions to our next guest, please uh, send them to us and we'll ask them here. We have a number of listeners' questions. Uh, the first one is from Lola. Um, her question is about, oh, that's about your solution. So her question is, isn't concrete a very unsustainable solution? So huh. we all know that, I mean, a lot of carbon emissions come from concrete, right? So yeah. what would be your answer to this question? Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of uh, different ways you can see it. Mm-hmm. I know it lasts long, so, but it does put out a lot of CO2, around 6 to 8%, depending on how you calculate it. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. We need to do something about that. Um, our concrete dough, here comes the typical answer. Uh, it's circular. Okay. Uh, we have a great uh, supplier for circular like circular uh, um, ingredients. It's actually waste material. So uh, with one project, we had uh, a building in, in Amsterdam Noord, which we made with waste from Amsterdam Noord. Oh, wow. That was a cool thing. It's a local reuse of 
yeah, yeah. The, the supplier is from Amsterdam as well so there was a, it was a closed loop yeah but so yes in general concrete puts out a lot of CO2 we need to do something about mm-hmm. that our con- concrete it has the name concrete but not the CO2 output of concrete okay uh, in the best case it's actually CO2 negative the um, concrete itself is CO2 negative the whole production process everything added together mm. every ingredient um, added to the wall, yeah. CO2 negative. Okay. So it could function as a CO2 storage as well okay. in the best way uh, we can get it. Okay, so for those developers out there that want to figure out how to make their products CO2, their projects CO2 negative, uh, they probably call you or go to the website. How to do? Is it gorespire.com or respire? It's still gorespire.com. Gorespire.com, yeah. perfect, there we go. Great question, Lola. Um, it seems sustainability is a question of multiple uh, listeners. So, because Eveline, I think that's Eveline van der Pluim, she has a question about circularity as well. But her question is, would you be able to reuse panels? Um, yeah, you, you can uh, do that in two ways. I think you can demo- like detach them from what they're uh, attached to and yeah. reattach them somewhere else. Yeah, uh, that's That won't be a problem. But the most efficient way is to get those panels back to our supplier. And they have a great big, big machine, an expensive machine as well. And that creates uh, from the panels like the dust uh, out of which it's built from. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes the basic ingredients, uh, it turns the, the panel into basic ingredients again. Okay. So and then you can create new panels again. Yeah. New infrastructures. Again. Yeah. Okay. So it seems that uh, sustainability is, is big on the questions, but a great answer, I think, on these two questions. Uh, thank you for asking them. Uh, the next question is from. Timo, who we all know because he's the head ambassador of the board of FIA this year, uh, Philips Innovation Award. His question is, what is the one thing you'd like other young entrepreneurs to take away from your journey? Mm, that's, a, that's, a, that's a dynamic one. Um, I would say um, get like-minded people, get surrounded by like-minded people. So like the Sigma Squared community yeah. provides a lot of value. Choose your opportunities, like yeah, accept them, but choose them wisely. Yeah. That also is the case with st- uh, startup competitions, actually. Okay. Um, and choose your advisors wisely. Okay. Surround yourself with the right people, choose the right challenges, and choose your advisors. To the point of choosing, so you talked about finding the right people around you, about choosing the challenges. So how do you find the right challenges to 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 get uh, involved in? Well, listen to these podcasts. Okay, I think <laughs> that's, that's a good start. Yeah, because it, it's hard. You cannot do that based on uh, what's presented on the website because if you base it on that, it's the best yeah. start of competition you will ever get into. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is like, you need to look at yourself and your company. Like, in which phase are we? Do the, the wins that we get from this competition, does it align with the wins we need to get? Yeah. If you're in desperate need for a B2B supplier in the coming months, then don't even think about such a competition as the FIA. Right. Not, not, not wrong about the FIA, but, you know, it's not on your agenda. Yeah. Are you interested in maybe getting some money, getting some exposure, getting great like-minded people and getting tailor-made, uh, you know, training? Yeah. Go for such a startup uh, competition. Yeah. No, it's really looking at yourself. Yeah. Look. So looking at yourself, what do you need now, and, yeah. and where do you need to go? And perhaps ask other people who joined the competition yeah, yeah, uh, to sure. see what they took out of it. And then your final part is on finding the right advisors. Yeah. So yeah. how do you find the right advisors, and what are the right advisors? Yeah, it's difficult. I've made a lot of 
mistakes on mm. this. Um, I think everybody wants to give you advice whenever you're in the stage that we're in. Yeah. It seems weird, but there's a lot of people that want to advise you. There's many people with a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 a lot just cannot do that. Not not like to be harsh about them, but they're not. They don't understand the phase you're in, the the risk you can take, for yeah. example, or the um, the decision, the trade-offs that you have to make. So, and but their advice can make your side really blurry, mm-hmm. right? Because they can come across as somebody that has a lot of knowledge on a specific part. Yeah. So you want to trust them, you want to follow up on their advice. Yeah. But actually, it wasn't the good one. So. And I think you're not saying it out loud, but I think you're talking about perhaps corporate advisors versus, let's say, founders who advise you. Because I think that's a big learning that you know startups go through. That um, if you're a, a director in a large corporation, you might give advice that for a startup is really difficult uh, to follow because you're you know you're just starting the business and you're running into completely different things. So it depends on the on the subject, right? So if you need advice on how to uh, make sure to sign a contract with a B two B and you want to learn about the language that they speak ah. go to the go to the director you know yes do you want to know how to build a better team that consists of five people <laughs> yeah don't go to a team manager hr manager of out or what yeah. to name one yeah they, they yeah. don't know on such a small scale anything yeah. about that yeah that's yeah. that's fine right so depending on your question find the right people yeah perfect Great question, Timo, and I think great answers, uh, Auke. Thank you for that. Final question is from Jorn Doustra. Um, he uh, is a, um, a leader at Rotterdam Partners. Oh, he has a nice question about ambition, I guess. He says, if you had to choose, at which famous building or structure would you want Respire to be implemented within the next five years? Ah, uh, that's cool. I, I get the question a lot of times. I always have a really, uh, yeah... Boring answer. If I would say one, I would say the valley. The valley in at the south in Amsterdam. Sorry, I'm from Amsterdam, listeners. I'm from Amsterdam, so uh, that's I okay. Need to think yeah. about, yeah. Uh, or I, I could say Erasmusbrug, but let's let's go for the valley. Yeah, uh, especially because they they made the promise of being green, and the whole project is there, but it's not green, and that's what happens a lot. So I would love to 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 establish the first crazy big green building on yes. the south house and okay. i think the valley would could have been a good uh, okay uh, yeah nice good one so anybody listening to this podcast who has great connections into who, whoever owns the property edge. at the valley edge uh listening or if you have connections into that organization um you know help out move forward <laughs> and make yeah. sure that the that that building is going to be fully green yeah cool and after that, we'll do the Erasmus Bridge in uh, Rotterdam. Yeah, That's yeah. okay. We'll, uh, we'll wait for that. Um, those were the questions. Auke, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I think it's been super infi- insightful to listen to your journey uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur, also through the Philips Innovation Award. And um, I'm particularly interested also to, to follow you uh, forward as you scale the company. Um, and hopefully we can help you somewhere in the future. Um, I think you're creating great impact in a very important space that we all have and that's all around us. So thank you for doing that journey and thank you for sharing your story with us. And for all the students and aspirational entrepreneurs or uh, established entrepreneurs out there that want to join the challenge, be quick because until the 6th of December 2023, you can still apply for the FIA uh, challenge. So go to the website, um, the link is in the show notes and make sure that you sign up on time and Perhaps you will be on the stage and maybe be in a podcast here with us in two years' time. Thank you for listening. Until next time.